Welcome to the Take Care podcast. I'm Maya Mari, and through this podcast, I have conversations with artists on wellness and how they experience it within their lives. This podcast is part of the Take Care project by the Visual Arts Network of South Africa. Take Care considers mental health to be a key issue for the professional health of the visual arts and of visual arts practitioners and designs interventions to support artists. You can find out more at vansatake.care. In this episode, I speak with Akudzwe Chiwa. Akudzwe shares how wellness for her is founded in sparking joy within her daily life. She describes how her wellness practices have shifted to meet the challenges of the pandemic and moving countries. Akudzwe shares her experience of having to drop out of university in Cape Town due to financial reasons, putting her dreams of becoming an artist on hold and having to move back to the small town she grew up in, in Zimbabwe. She describes the resilience and desire for life which brought her through this period allowing her to choose and focus on what would sustain her. Lastly, she shares how, through her art practice, she explores the stories from within her family and ancestry to heal trauma and find peace. Thank you, Akudzwe, for joining me this evening, your morning, and um, agreeing to be part of this conversation. It's really wonderful to to have this time with you. Thank you for having me. I, it's a pleasure, and it's something I'm passionate about. Um, and I'm just like privileged and honored to be a part of this conversation. Wonderful. So to start with, I'd love for you to tell me about what wellness looks like for you within your daily life and what it means for you? Well, I think for me, wellness within my daily life is being able to get up in the morning and function, function for yourself, function for those around you, you know, having a routine, having um, grounding, having physical health, mental health, making sure I'm eating healthy, uh, trying to exercise daily if I can, because I live in an apartment and it is like COVID. So trying to exercise within um, my area, my community, reading, reading something that nourishes my mind, reading something that nourishes my soul. If I can read, if I can't read, I'll watch something, uh, whether it's a podcast or a series that like, engages with me on you know my intellect and my emotional well-being right now I've been in in like a transitional period so my usual uh, well-being routine is a little bit disrupted in terms of um, I'm in a new country new space so I've had to like figure out new ways of like 
actively keeping myself healthy. And when I say healthy, I'm not just talking about my physical body. I'm, I'm talking about all aspects of my existence, which is like, you know, the emotional side, you know, the mind, the body, um, community. Because it's important, especially in this pandemic era we live in, like a lot of the tools I used to use before the pandemic, you know, I've had to reshape them and have to, I've had to re-navigate um, my sense of self. I'm a person who likes to set goals. You know, I like to set five-year plans and all of these things. So I had to deal with the, the disappointment of not being able to like achieve the things that I'd set out pre-pandemic. And then I had a lot of uh, stuff to do because I was immigrating with my husband and, and all of that. And that was also a very stressful period. And between those periods, what I would try and do would be to, if I couldn't exercise outside, because I'd become also a little bit fearful of going outside, one, like, because of COVID, two, like, because of being a woman, you know, you start thinking about all the, the dangers around you. So I would dance. Um, I, I had this playlist I had made for myself on, um, on SoundCloud. And I'd listen to it every day and it would hype me up and I'd dance, I'd dance, I'd dance, I'd like dance crazy in the apartment just to kind of like get those like endorphins running and like those feelings, you know, because dancing was something that always brought me joy. And I hadn't been able to do that in like over a year because of like lockdown. I would cook meals from my childhood, things that were nostalgic, you know, like comfort, healthy food. And I would write. Um, one of my favorite hobbies is like writing science fantasy I mean like it's terrible like absolutely terrible writing but it gives me so much joy to just sit down and like just write a story whether people read it or never read it because of all the negative stuff in media I realized it was actually affecting me so I started kind of moving away from like social media and like engaging not because I didn't find the themes important but I found that like I wasn't as strong as I was before the pandemic to be able to deal with them um, removed from the situation I've also started doing breathing techniques to deal with the anxiety as well because I, I need to not just give into my feelings like I normally do I need to also like learn to like exist with them if they're a part of like my condition now so how do I manage them in a way that doesn't require me to take medication or things like that which is there's nothing wrong with taking medication but I'm I was more of like I wanted to deal with it before it became a problem in which I needed to take medication because high blood pressure is hereditary in my family my grandmother has it my mom just recently got diagnosed when we moved to the U.S., like I had to also renegotiate my space and understand the uh, place I was in. So I had to look for other ways to kind of keep myself okay. And um, like I'm very far from from the ground that grounds me because from the culture I come from, you know, going back home, like going to the village or visiting home is part of a grounding process. So I'm having to navigate new ways of grounding myself and feeling um, whole. And I'm tapping into all these resources that the diasporic Zimbabwean community has. Like I watch all the 
the videos, even if, you know, they're ridiculous or whatever. It's just so that I keep in touch with myself. So I don't know if they're useful tools, but they, they've helped me not like uh, sink into the darkness that is very easy to sink into, especially in this profession, um, especially in this time, um, because it is a devastating time. I love how um, so much of what you, you're speaking about and so many of the practices you're sharing are, are about being joyful and being energized. You're also just highlighting just um, having a good relationship with oneself, you know, and, and, yeah. and that's part of the, the joy that you're talking about is, is like enjoying doing things with yourself and for yourself, yeah. which is really beautiful. Definitely. It is. I think we focus so much on trends and we focus so much on like, oh, wellness is about like being fit and like, you know, those selfies that but the gym selfies, you know, that's like the picture of wellness, somebody with their protein shakes, going to yoga and all of those things. And those are good tools. They work for a lot of people, but not everybody has access to those things. Not everybody um has access to those spaces, especially now considering like a lot of financial hardships that a lot of people are going through. So you have to find ways to spark joy within yourself in a way that resonates with who you are and where you are at your life or in your life right now. It's a necessary survival tactic because if you can't find joy in your existence, it becomes very difficult to get out of the dark. Can you tell us about a time in your life when you were struggling with wellness, with accessing this, this joy, this everyday joy, and, and how you navigated that? Yeah. Um, so for me, I think like 2013, and I can say like now, but like definitely I can, I've been through a lot worse in my life. And I had to drop out of school because my, my mother couldn't afford me, afford for me to go back to university. So I had to drop out. I was trying to like find funding to go to school the, the entire time. But because I um, was on a student visa, I couldn't really work. So I ended up going back home like at the end of 2013 after like a fruitless year of trying to like get work. So that's like two years in the, in the gutter, you know. Um, I lost a lot of friends in 2013. People I thought were my friends, people I thought were my community because I was very, I was crying all the time because I had a lot of anxiety. Like there was a lot of like things that I couldn't like help. Like I was very skinny as well while I was in Cape Town at that period because I didn't have money for food. So I was eating like instant noodles, um, eating one meal a day and then saving a little bit of money on the side if I wanted to go out at night and like grab a few drinks with a few friends you know I had to always think okay if I'm gonna go out I have to make sure I have enough money for a cab enough money for like one or two drinks like if they want to go eat I can't do that you know it was very like heartbreaking because I became even more isolated because I couldn't afford to hang out with them and they saw it as me kind of like being a little mean but like the reason I'd say no all the time is because I couldn't afford it for me, that was 
rock bottom because my dream was to get out of the small town, be a creative, you know, have freedom. And I always grew up in a very conservative small town. And I, I always yearned for freedom. And I had to go back with my tail tucked between my legs. That's what I thought in my head. And I didn't even have a degree or any kind of like art career at that point. And I, I struggled for like a few years. I cried. I cried every day. And I just, I didn't know how to like get out of it. I was just, I was so disappointed in myself. And the fact that like, you know, when you've gone through such a tough childhood or tough experience in life, you you think, okay, the universe isn't that cruel. The universe isn't going to throw another curveball, like, you know. And the hardest thing was, like, watching everybody I'd gone to school with, and not just university, but, like, high school, meeting all of these goals, following their dreams, traveling, finding love. And I felt an immense amount of loneliness. I was trying to get a job, and I wasn't very successful because I had half a degree. And I don't, I don't have a lot of skills. Like I wasn't very good at math. I didn't get the opportunity to account because I sucked at math. Um, and the only thing I ever knew was music and art. And that's all I was really good at. And so it was very difficult finding work. I was very lucky that my old high school headmaster really liked me. And I was like really good at training choirs, like this thing. So they would like hire me on a temporary basis and I would like work for like maybe the the I stayed for the season train 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 give them like the the vocal parts make sure that they're crisp and then like I would get paid like a decent amount I owed you um the university a lot of money at that point and I was trying to make money so I can help my older sister pay off my debt and then I started like cold emailing all the the private schools in Zimbabwe just like asking if they had like work for like even like a teacher's assistant or whatever just so that like I could take care of myself because I'd realized at that point that I was too old for me to be asking my mom to do that but also at the same time like my mom couldn't afford to do that and I get a job in 2015 teaching music at this um school in Gweru, which is in, in Midlands, Zimbabwe. Um, and I was like so excited because I'm like, you know, it's the first job I'm getting that's going to like help me at least put some money together to go back to university. It was very difficult teaching because it was a very conservative school, like super Christian. I had the 12 commandments in my contract, you know, like stated how I dressed, what I did. And I had to basically live my life for this like institution and I worked there for like a year and a half I went through a really terrible month 
um, it was like August 2015, like after obviously like a, like a horrible time from 2013 to like 2015. And I just woke up one day and I was like, this can't be, this can't be my life. This is, this can't be who I am meant to be. This can't be all of this. And at that point, I, I started with a simple thing of watching Vine. You know those videos we used to watch before TikTok? You had like the Vines, you could find them on YouTube. And because I'd said to myself, every time I feel like crying, I'm going to watch something that makes me laugh. And I started laughing and laughing and laughing more. And obviously I still had that lingering disappointment in me because I was working a job that like, I didn't, like I loved, I loved teaching music, but I wanted to be an artist. You know, I wanted to like make art. And then in 2016, my father passed away. Uh, and that was the biggest aha moment of my life because I had accumulatively in my entire existence spent 10 years with my father. And we can say five of those, I was too young to remember. So you can say five years. And all because there was a lot of trauma uh, between the relationship um, that my parents had and in turn the relationship I had with him because I felt like as, as a father he had failed me at that point I had refused to like even a, like forgive him in a way but going to his funeral and realizing how how short life is and how much time we take for granted and realizing that even though he was my parent he was also a human being who had his own feelings, his own um, disappointments, his own joys and all of these things, understanding and humanizing my father. I, a switch kind of like went on inside me and I decided to live my life the best way I could and to try and find joy at every moment. And not to say I was never stressed after that moment, um, but I never allowed the sadness to consume me in a way that it would rob me of a necessary relationship or it would rob me from um, giving love. And I went back to university the following year and I finished my undergrad. And I actually, my undergrad project was about that realization continuum where like I decided mentally to break the cycle and be like because I started realizing that like mental health in terms of like anxiety depression you know it was quite evident that it was in my family but because I'm, I'm I come from a black family and you know mental health isn't something really that we talk about or that's even acknowledged as a thing you know it's always like you pray about it you deal with it and that would help, but you need more help to deal with certain things like that. And I unfortunately didn't have access to counselors or like therapists and things. I had to deal a lot of it by myself. And my art practice became my, my self-expression, my, my, self, uh, my sense of healing. You know, a lot of my work is about healing, it's about remembering, it's about resolution within thyself. Learning to forgive and learning to forgive myself 
allowed me to be able to feel more joy. So it's yeah. such an epic, epic journey. And the thing yeah. that, that stands out for me, the word is resilience. That, yeah. that you, you hit rock bottom in so many ways, emotionally, <laughs> financially, you know, opportunity-wise, but you, mm. you didn't give up. What, if anything, held you in that period and what helped you move out of it? Because you did move out of it. Yeah, no, I definitely think um, there are a lot of positive things I inherited from my mother and my grandmother. But I think the most like important thing was the resilience. I could talk about my whole entire life from being born to now and I've had to survive and be resilient, you know, at a lot of intervals in my life. I guess I, in the moment, chose life at every interval. For me, the choices are always you live or you die. And when I say death, I'm not talking about physical death. I'm talking about the essence of you disappearing. And I didn't want to lose any part of myself. And at every interval where I could see me dying, I would make a choice where what do I do to make sure I survive until the next point where I can get up and look after myself, do everything I can, even if it means humbling myself and doing something that I wouldn't normally do, then I would do whatever it took for me to survive. My master's was about that, funny enough, like about my grandmother and mother's story, trying to figure out where the strength I have comes from, this resilience, this like willingness to fight our ancestors, you know, think like at the height of, at the beginning of colonization when everything seems so dark. Imagine what they imagined happiness to be. You know, maybe they were pregnant with your great, great grandmother or something and they're like putting all of this intention and they're like oh I just want them to be happy to live a free life and all of these things and you're here and whether you believe it or not you're an amalgamation of your ancestors dreams all of them you know in some way or another not to say you don't have your own dreams but the fact that we exist the way we do because I look at my mom's struggle and my grandmother's struggle it's very different from my struggle yes my struggle has been hard but their struggle was harder but they had dreams you know and if they couldn't live out their dreams they hoped that their descendants would live out their dreams and even me where I am right now if I have a child I want that child to live out my purest dreams of joy, to be myself and to do what I want to do. That is someone's dream for me. And I think like that gives me the resilience as well to wake up every day and be like, hey, like I can be me. And it's not like my mother who couldn't be herself. She had to survive. Or my grandmother who couldn't be, I can be me. You can be yourself. And there's so many people in this present world who can't be themselves. And being yourself means being at peace with every aspect of yourself, from the joy to the pain to the love, you know, to the immaturity and the maturity, you know, all the, the um, I suppose, the weight together, the light and the darkness. 
how does wellness, the practices around wellness and the concept of wellness, how does this um, connect with your practice as an artist? In every way possible, because my practice is about healing. And for me, healing isn't saying like, when I think healing, I think going to like, because um, I grew up like with the culture of prophets, you know, beckons and like somebody touching you and saying, you're healed. And like, there's no more pain. No, healing is a painful process. Healing means looking and confronting your reality every single day of your life and saying, I choose to not let this pain dictate who I am. I think it is necessary to focus more on wellness because the more we are digging deep into our trauma, the more pain we're like unearthing and surfacing. And we need ways to deal with it that are healthier than our parents before us our parents' parents before us, because the way they treated their trauma, you know, kind of was unhealthy. And we know it's unhealthy because we felt the brunt of it. So for me, my, my practice is about kind of telling the stories that were never told as to promote healing. Like we talked about resilience and the grandmothers, you know, a lot of my work is about me finding out, okay, how, like the question, why am I strong? Why is this? And then like going back and looking at my grandmother's stories and my mother's stories, and then looking at myself and saying, oh, okay. So now I understand my position. Now I can move on, move forward with the process of healing, move forward with becoming myself, having space for myself and focusing on the light. If I want to heal the big traumas, you know, not just the little things. I want, I want to find a way to, to find like true peace 